Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards and I'm back after my little break. But I'm away again. I'm in Bristol this weekend for a wedding and I took a trip down to Bristol Manor Farm. We were playing in the FA Cup against Wheelstone. We'll hear more about that later. But we're going to get stuck into all issues National League. And joining me is Rob Laurel. Hello, Rob. Hi, Luke. Welcome back. Thank you, and thank you for holding the fort so marvellously last weekend. Yeah, fantastic. Loved it. Please don't go away again. <laughs> <laughs> and also, on the other end of the line, we have got Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Bob. How are you, both? If, if, you, if you did miss last week's episode or any other episode from this season, then do subscribe to us. Just go via iTunes and Spotify, and it'll be uploaded to your device every weekend. Now... We'll start up at the top of the National League because it's changed hands once again. It was Bromley. They went top. They've been doing fantastically this season, especially at home. They entertained a Barrow side who'd had a few problems on their travels until recently. But, uh, Rob, it was a fantastic result for Ian Everett's men in the end. Dior Angus and Scott Quigley giving him a two-goal lead before Michael Cheek's goal wasn't enough to prevent Bromley from losing at home. And uh, probably the result of the day, that. Yeah, really obviously we'll come on to the team that's gone top in just a minute but I think fair play to the power they really backed up the recent good form didn't they uh, six wins on the trot which I think I keep seeing Adam Johnson at BBC Cumbria uh, tweet out about how many years it is since Barrow won four on the trot five on the trot six on the trot that's fantastic to go down to Bromley and I think what we're starting to see as well all credit to, to Barrow for that win is that even teams like Barrow, like Bromley, up the top of the league, there's not quite the fear factor this year. There's not two or three teams there up the top which you think, well, they're going to steamroll everybody. It felt last year, didn't it, that Leighton Orient and Salford, uh, and Solihull, to be fair to them, the way they were playing, were, were heavyweights and they were going to come out with a point most weeks. But as ever, you can't predict it. And uh, reading the non league paper this morning, Adam Virgo quite rightly leading with a big story about momentum and Yeovil's good run and Bromley's good run and it ends up being published on the very day that both of them lost Curse of a curse of Adam Virgo then <laughs> <laughs> Yeah poor old Adam uh, but uh, you know he's absolutely right the points he was making he said every single year he says to himself there's no way that next year could be as unpredictable as this one and yet this one is the most unpredictable of all of them uh, when we look at two or three of the teams with big budgets and expectations in the bottom eight and then uh, some of the sides that are kicking around the top end um, you know not necessarily full time or on the best budgets or whatever and I suppose it's time to come to one of them now isn't it R- um, drum roll please yeah Halifax See Halifax down yeah well done Halifax Town, yeah, they uh, they replaced Bromley at the top. They took the lead in the second minute through Liam McAlinden down at Maidenhead and held on to that. And it means they go top. And we thought a few weeks ago that the the bubble had burst a little bit, you know, and they were going to slip down the table. But credit to Pete Wilde, they've kept up that momentum. Yeah, fantastic for Halifax. They really have. I mean, if you look at the form table, they've actually won three and lost three in their last six games. But that's not necessarily. Um, a bad run is it if you pick up nine points every six games uh, you'll be at, at the right end of the table that's for sure it's better the to lose it's better to win three and yeah. lose th- it's better to win three and lose three than, than win three and draw three isn't it so uh, no no it's not no sorry no no you get 12 points for that Luke and nine but I, I get your point I think what you mean you know is it's better to uh, 
Um, it's better to uh, pick up wins in amongst the losses rather than mm. keep drawing and only picking up a point, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I meant. I knew what I meant. You worked out uh, my head well there, Rob. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was un- a rather unusual, uh, that goal yesterday, in the fact that it was very, very early in the game, as you say, just the second minute, and that was the game done. Uh, a fine strike from McAlinden for his seventh goal of the season. What typified yesterday, first of all, was the lack of goals in the National League Premier, just 24. That's about as low as it ever gets when there's a full set of fixtures. But incredibly... A quarter of those 24 goals, six of them all came at 90 minutes or beyond. So that's going to be a, 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 a recurring theme as we go through the uh, National League Premier results from this weekend. Yeah, and one of those who were hit by a last minute goal, and you can see some of the scenes on Twitter were, were Hartlepool. Um, ben Killip I know he tweeted out saying uh, he loved a last minute winner because Hartlepool beat Yeovil by two goals to one and Darren Sal picked up the manager of the month award this week and that, and that curse um, was well that curse came out to bite him on Saturday didn't it Dickie? Yes it did um, <clears throat> yeah, I think they'd had a fantastic run for September but how often do we hear um, teams saying that they, they almost don't want the manager of the month award because it so often brings a result like this and, and that's exactly what happened for Yeovil yesterday but yeah um, a really good result for, for Hartlepool I think Yeovil must have thought they were going to get something when they levelled it with just 89 minutes well with 89 minutes played but then I think mean, it was a Jason Kennedy winner on 90 minutes and gives Hartlepool all three points In fourth place is Woking still they drew 1-1 with Wrexham um, of course Woking a bit of a bit of a rut at the minute but a decent point for them against the Wrexham side who as we know lost Brian Hughes over the last couple of weeks and James Jennings one of the stalwarts of that side opened the scoring for them before Kane Ferdinand equalised but the Wrexham sort of managerial situation is, is kind of they're taking the time again over the appointment aren't they? I think that's what I've read in, in the local press up in, in the Wrexham area Luke yes um, Brian Flynn who was Brian Hughes' assistant has, has taken over in the interim I think he said that He's not expecting an appointment to be made imminently, or, or so they're clearly either taking their time or waiting for somebody. Some names in the frame for that job: uh, Dean Keats, who obviously was Wrexham manager previously, <clears throat> but um, left them to take over the managerial role at his old club, Walsall, the club he was um, almost inextricably linked to throughout his career. Um, other names in the frame there's Andy Morrison who is uh, well known he's manager of Connors Key Nomads in the Welsh Premier League at the moment as well um, so whether he'd, they'd, he'd be willing to, to, to leave them to, to come to Wrexham not sure about that one um, Ian Culverhouse is another interesting name as well now that would involve a, a big trek from one side of the country to the other because he's currently the manager at Kings Lynn Town who is third in National League North but his name's appeared in the frame for that Wrexham job from one source or another so um, yeah it'll be interesting to see who, who they go for but we're not expecting anything to happen anytime soon by the same things In the last two playoff places are Dagenham, Redbridge and Barnet and before we get on to they met each other on Saturday drew 1-1 but before that Rob on Tuesday night what a result for Barnet against Fylde Yeah it was an amazing win they really uh, had a little blip a couple of weeks back didn't they Barnet where they suddenly let in seven goals in two games but they tightened up again and they've started finding the net too, uh, especially with that 4-0 win at Fylde and uh, obviously we look at the bottom end of the table a little bit more closely in a short while but uh, yeah, decent form for Bayern. They had to be content with uh, a 
you though, against uh, Dagenham, uh, it was um, Josh Walker who uh, really, really sharp finish from him, and he got the plaudits from his manager Darren Terry yesterday. Uh, it was one of those games uh, where both goals came along within the space of a, a few minutes. A decent strike from Angelo Balanta as well to give Dagenham the lead just a few minutes before. Both those sides pretty well positioned and uh, dealing with uh, decent sized expectations as well this season but coping far far better with them than some of the bigger clubs Yeah just and just below those two are Dover, Torquay and Harrogate, Dover are just out of the playoffs on goal difference Torquay and Harrogate are two points behind, Dover drew 2-2 against Notts County, they were ahead twice before another a last minute goal this time from Christian Dennis uh, pegged a point back for Notts County. Torquay, they had a really good win against Fylde. We'll get onto Fylde again shortly. And then in the evening game, Harrogate beat Ebsleet by two goals to nil. Uh, Torquay, really good win for them, Rob. And Harrogate, they've, they've come up from nowhere again. They're up into 10th place. It's amazing what a couple of results can do. Yeah, very, very much so. A lot to deal with there. I think, first of all, yeah, Dover quietly going about their business. And, uh, you know, they, 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 would, they would have sat fourth this morning, I think, or fifth in the table, had they not been pegged back in the last minute by Knox County. Knox County, of course, uh, you know, really finding some solid form now. Three wins, two draws, and one defeat in their last six months. And they're racking up the points. They keep in the little chasing pack. And that chasing pack actually gets bigger and bigger. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven sides on between 20 and 22 points. That's just uh, between two and four points behind the playoff positions. And what's started to happen for the National League table is what we thought might happen. It could close up a little bit. There is a, 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 a two-point lead at the top for Halifax, but once you get below the top three or four, um, I think there's only about six points separating the next 12 sides. And even Stockport County, who are not in great form, they addressed their run of losing matches yesterday, but uh, down in 17th place, they're only six points off the playoffs. So this one's going to run and run. Uh, and uh, as the boys on the uh, BT Sport Gold Highlight Programme yesterday said, here we are, almost uh, a third of the way through the season, and we haven't got a clue who's going to win it and who's going to go up and who's going to go down. No, well, we'll get onto that relegation picture. I mean, Again, Fylde lost, Wrexham only drew. So Fylde are in 19th place, Wrexham are in 20th place. Fylde are only a point above the relegation zone. Wrexham are only out of it on goal difference. If Aldershot had got a win at Charlie, then Wrexham would be in it. And, and Chesterfield are also in there. I mean, they led against Eastleigh through a Tom Denton goal, but were pegged back to lose the game in the end. And You're looking at maybe Fylde, Wrexham and Chesterfield going down. Sure, that's not going to happen, is it? No, not at all. No, I don't think so. Um, don't we'll clip that, and then if it does happen... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if I had to pick one of those three sides that might go down, it would have to be Chesterfield. I haven't seen them last week. Uh, and, and, and although they did beat all the shot, I think everybody of Chesterfield feels persuasion, you know, except that they probably weren't the better side in that match. Um, but the others, they have to recover. I think Wrexham are, are on a wretched run of nothing really going their way. I do think they have quality um, and uh, I think they've played well at times of the away game wasn't there the other week when they took the league twice, still lost 3-2. Uh, there's a confidence issue, there's definitely a form issue and there's a lack of momentum and all that can be applied to against AFC Files, um, whose position is probably the most inexplicable. Um, you know, particularly having bought in 
uh, reinforcements this season of absolute quality in terms of going forward. They do seem to be missing, um, you know, the kind of shape and understanding that they had defensively last year with Lynch in goal and uh, Francis Angle on the left back. And uh, I think the others. Yeah, that will be Jordan Tunnicliffe, I think. Yeah, that's the one. And so, you know, but something's not right. Whatever it is, it's not right. And uh, the biggest thing that's not right is they're not winning football matches and they're not picking up points. But I'm absolutely sure Farr will get out of it. And I'm pretty damn sure Wrexham will as well. So of those three, Luke, to answer your question, yeah, if any of them are going to go down, I think it might be just a bit. We'll move on to the, uh, uh, the battle. One of the reasons I say that about Chesterfield, having seen them perform on the pitch, was a rather bizarre post-match interview I saw with John Sheridan yesterday where starting to look quite desperate, quite short of answers, quite frustrated. Um, and you'd expect that, you'd expect him to be down. But um, I think he's almost, you know, it's sort of, sort of, the way he come across it almost beggars belief, he just doesn't know. I think he, the quote was that he just doesn't know what goes through the mind of his players when they take a lead in the game. Yeah, because they've been behind in a few games this year and they seem to, they've been behind in a few games this year and they seem to roar back, don't they? But when they get ahead, yeah, again, it's a, a mentality issue maybe because they've not been used to winning over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, it might, it might well be. I, I, I don't know. Um, I just find it fascinating watching this league, you know, week in, week out because it is so unpredictable. Um, but, uh, you know, surely one way or another, um, you know, those bigger clubs will start to bounce back. The two teams who were in the relegation zone yesterday, along with Chesterfield, were Charlie and Aldershot. And uh, I'll hand this over to you, Rob. Yeah, well, interestingly enough, um, I always look out when I'm on my travels, particularly away from home and particularly when I go to ground for the first time. I always keep my eyes and ears peeled for, for a spectator that might be able to try and articulate um, just what it's like to uh, support the particular club that I'm going to and get a feel for them. And that, and that worked perfectly yesterday, as you'll hear from this. We've been to some pretty exotic locations with NL full-time, but probably none more so than this. We're at KFC in Chorley, just a couple of roundabouts from Victory Park, and uh, alongside me is Riley Gretton. Riley is a sports journalism student at Preston and a Chorley fan. And right now, I'm stopping him from having his lovely, fresh uh, KFC food as well. But uh, interestingly, listeners and and, and fellow uh, hosts... He hadn't heard of NL full-time, he hasn't listened to our podcast, but he does know who Brandon Smith is. Just proves that Brandon is more famous than us, but never mind. Um, Riley, general question really, not so much about league tables and stuff like that, but surely in the National League, the fifth tier of British football, you must be very proud of that. Ecstatic, to be perfectly honest with you. It, it's not something that I think as a group of fans we would have seen happening any time soon uh, I think I, it's not to say that last season was a fluke and the form we had but I think the spirit we had as a squad um, I think I think that's going to be crucial in particular to us having any kind of success this season uh, it's not been an ideal start um, there's definitely been better starts to a season uh, but I feel like Jamie's doing a, a good enough job that uh, I've, I've got a good feeling we're going to we're going to do alright this season I'm hearing from the outside that it's a team very much together and that Jamie believes in what he's doing. Um, And there's been a few highs in terms of performances and obviously that one result that didn't really kick you on against Stockport, but it certainly certainly took their wheels off, didn't it? Yeah, um, the the Stockport game, I wouldn't say come out of nowhere, but I think we 
I think we lost on the Monday night or the Tuesday night before, and I, I actually can't recall who we lost against. Um, and we went into the Stockport game with, I, I think it's fair to say, fairly low expectations. Um, but I think that the style of play we produced that day um, was the best I've seen all season. I've, I'd probably say I've been to about 90% of the games uh, at home. Um, and to, to see that uh, in person was really good for morale. Um, and I think if we hadn't got that result, things would, I'd say, look a bit bleaker than they are now. One problem, one predicament you might have is one that, as uh, an Aldershot Town fan, I have too. Um, there is hope, there is belief. It's a together squad and there's pockets of passages of play where things look good. And in and, and that respect, like you, I feel Aldershot got a great chance of staying up. When I find it more difficult is when I look at the table and I look at the clubs down there and I search for four that might finish beneath my team. Do you have the same predicament? Uh, definitely, I think I think everyone kind of predicted that Chesterfield, for example, would do really well at the start of the season. And uh, it, it's not clicking for them for whatever reason at the moment. Um, so you can't really you can't really count them out uh, for, for any reason at all. Um, I mean, Wrexham. I think Wrexham are only three or four spots above uh, either of us. Um, so you can't really count Wrexham out either so it's tough but I take comfort in the fact that um, again just to reiterate the togetherness of me being a Chorley fan Chorley squad the togetherness of Aldershot I think that's something that um, I wouldn't say isn't present on teams that are higher up in the football pyramid um, but particularly because there's a there's a more emotional attachment in my opinion to non-league clubs um, for example I, I also support Liverpool mm. Um I only got into non-league football probably about four years ago um, and it's, it's easy for me to come to games I, I definitely feel like I wouldn't say the atmosphere is as good at, at Victory Park at Anfield but um, it, it's, it's definitely something that's um, brought me close to football in a way Great stuff and a question I always like to ask when I meet someone for the first time the best team I've seen this season against Aldershot was Yeovil what's the best team you've seen against Chorley so far this season? Oh. Um, I, I actually went to the file game um, and despite it being nil-nil and us having fairly even amount of chances between the two of us uh, the file team really impressed me obviously they're not doing as well as I think their own fans would say they would do at the start of the season mm. um, but yeah I was definitely impressed by file but I didn't go to the Notts County game but I think they they took us apart pretty easily as well so even Notts County or file so um, it's been great chatting to you. All the best with uh, your uh, journalism course. Thanks for joining us today and good luck for the rest of the season. Roger. Thank you very much. So that was Riley Gretton and, um, well, we get about on this podcast and uh, hopefully Rob left him to uh, eat his bargain bucket. <laughs> I did, actually. Um, and I wasn't looking over obviously at it because I'd had a meal there before and I couldn't believe quite what was in it. I, I, I struggled to pack it all the way from myself. I was thinking of I was going to say, talking a bargain bucket, the the game was a bit of a bargain bucket, wasn't it, yesterday? Oh, look, I'm not going to hide away from this. It was awful. It was the, one of the worst watches that I've seen in the National League for a long time. And that was hard to take a week after a brilliant open game with sort of 25 chances between Aldershot and Chesterfield. Um, no, this one was dire. I think uh, one of my listeners uh, messaged in to say, do you think turgid would be a good word for this game? And... Uh, I fully agreed with it, and I see that word made the non-league papers report as well in the end yesterday. Um, 
the least said about the game, the best. The interesting things for me were the chat with Riley before the game, uh, a little catch-up with uh, Jamie Vermiglio that I had after. I'm joined by Chorley manager Jamie Vermiglio with his daughter in his arms as well. I don't know who's going to give me the, the best rundown of that game. <laughs> Ultimately, not the best game to watch, Jamie. Um, I suppose nil-nil. You take the positives from the point, or do you think about what might have been? I think you. I think a bit of both, to be honest. Yeah. Certainly, what what might have been is real sense of frustration about us, and in the changing room, you know, they're the kind of games that we should be going on to to, to win. They're, they're a team that are around us, and you know, with the utmost respect, we should be winning a game like that today. I thought they weren't bad. Don't get me wrong, but I think it was a bit of a drab affair. I think we needed a little bit of energy. We were quite lethargic. Um, you know, just two or three decent performances, and we had we had a few good moments in the game. But I think overall, I think the lads would be really frustrated. That was an opportunity that's mm. passed us by. You saw it, even given perhaps the slight lack of quality on show and two sides in the bottom four. Nobody wanted to draw, did they? Everybody, you know, the effort was there, but I, I suppose ultimately both sides just cancelled each other out a little bit. I think I think they did, but I think I think there were some moments in the game where we could have. You know, I, I'm only looking at us. I'm sure they'll, they'll be saying the same things. I think there's a few moments that we could have done a little bit better, applied a little bit more relentless pressure, and, and sustained a few attacks where we perhaps lost out on the second ball. We didn't cover around certain positions properly, uh, like like we have done in the past. If you you know go back to the last win that we've had this season, the only win that we've had this season was Stockport. Mm. I think Stockport, you know, the way that we cancelled cancelled them out, but then we're on the front foot. We've just not really got going properly today, and it, it, it's a shame. It's a shame for me. It's a shame for the lads. And, Probably a shame for the supporters as well have turned up today, paid hard-earned money, um, and they've not really seen anything fantastic. What have you made yourself of the first, what, 14, 15 games, whatever it is, in, in the National League? I mean, as uh, the league as a whole, as a, other than just your team's performances and results, because uh, the, the, there's some, some surprises in there, isn't there? You know, with the likes of uh, Wrexham and Fylde, just four or five places above yourselves. Yeah, I think, look, it's a, it's a tough league. It's very different. It's very different to the league below and it's very different to the league above. If you're getting a player from League Two, it doesn't mean that they're going to be successful in this league. It, var- it varies from game to game, but we're you know we're up against it certainly the physicality the fitness levels you know, we're coming against up against full-time teams don't forget we're only you know we're only part-time one of only a few part-time teams so it's relentless and the traveling element of it is tough but having said that you know despite us being at the foot of the table um i feel quite confident that we've got enough to stay in the league and got enough to push on it there's probably one or two teams that have come off thinking Do you know what fair enough they've been much the better side today uh, but generally we're able able to hold our own and if we get a little bit of luck and one of those shots goes in then you know it's a different story uh two games coming up in the week i presume who have you got uh, we've got halifax and then eastley away next week so you know both teams doing all right particularly halifax you know they they've sustained a good run of form um, and it's going to be it's going to be tough but I think, you know, I've watched Halifax a few times this season and they're just as good as what we've been coming up against. It's quite a consistent level in this league where probably around about 15 sides feel like they could push on for the top six and Halifax will be one of them. Uh, but, you know, if we apply ourselves properly, uh, we've got a good chance. Brilliant. Well, thanks for joining us and uh, uh, hopefully I'll have a chat with you again when you come down to Aldershot later in the season. I don't know if this one will be travelling, will she then? Do you want to go to Aldershot? She's not interested. She's not sure. <laughs> She's blanked that one. Yeah. All right, nice right, one. Cheers, top, Jamie. Nice to meet you. Yeah, Thank you. And that was Jamie Vermiglio, the, the Charlie manager. Charlie, are, um, they'll be disappointed not to have won the home games, although they're continuing a nice little uh, nice little run of form that they've got going currently at the minute. They've, um, they've only lost one of the last six. However, there's only been... Uh, four of those have been draws and, and one win, so... They're looking. They're looking back to how they were last year. I think, aren't they, boys? In terms of 
you know, they're not conceding as many goals. They just need to start banging them in at the other end. I think that was a concern for me. I think we said a few weeks ago that it really surprised me the number of goals Chorley were letting in, considering how uh, difficult they were to break down in, in the league below. Um, that's back-to-back clean sheets. Clean sheets saw them now, admittedly, without any goals at the other end. Uh, I think it's three clean sheets in the last six as well. So they put. Um, I think my fear always with with Chorley was where the goals are going to come from, and and it, it almost seems like they can't put the two parts of their game together at once. Um, you know, it's not it's not just keeping the opponent off the score sheet isn't going to be enough. We spoke about this a few minutes ago about you know draws. I'm sure they take a few wins alongside defeats rather than just picking up you know a point here and a point there from from draws that's not ultimately going to be enough over the course of a season they've gone back to making themselves hard to break down I think they conceded quite a lot of goals and, and they were difficult to break down yesterday for all the shot Courtney Method Walters at the back got the uh, man of the match for the home side and I wouldn't uh, disagree with that um, and, and uh, you know as far as the goals and the other end to be honest I didn't think that game was going to be nil-nil yesterday And wrapping up the National League, uh, another last-minute winner, this time at Boreham Wood, and they've, again, sneaked up the table nicely. They're, they're bubbling along nicely, now up into 11th place. And they beat Solihull again, who were stuck in a bit of a rut uh, on the same number of points as Boreham Wood, admittedly, but down in 13th place. And what a boost that is for Luke Garrard's men. Oh, it's incredible. Um, I've been saying to people for a few weeks, get yourself back-to-back wins in this league, and your league table position is going to look considerably better, particularly when it, with, with it being so contentious this season. Paul and Wood are up to 11, can you believe that? Um, and one of the reasons why I don't think they will struggle um, is because they've got not one but two guys that have a very good habit of putting the ball in the net. Absolutely. Um, and I suppose when you say about back-to-back wins, Rob, that's why it's a frustration for the likes of yourself and, and, and even John Sheridan at Chessfield, when they do get a win that they can't follow it up because one win shoots you up the table, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in all the shots case, they've not managed back-to-back wins all season. Um, Chesterfield, I don't think they have either. They, don't, they, they managed uh, back-to-back home wins, didn't they? Um, but Jorley, uh, of course, have still only got the one win. Uh, credit to them, though, for picking up eight draws from their 15 games. And finally, Sutton against Stockport, 17th versus 18th. Unsurprisingly, it finished a draw and it was nil-nil. And uh, two teams a bit devoid of confidence at the minute. So not quite a surprising scoreline, that. Not really, but I tell you what, Stockport County, who've lost their previous five games, will be very, very happy and very thankful for, for, for getting themselves a clean sheet and a point on the road. Sometimes any momentum, any downward momentum in sport, the massively, the, your first job, you've got to stop that downward momentum. Until you've done that, you can't actually go forward again. So Stockport will say, right, that's it. End of a horrendous line in the sand. And they'll look to go again this week. Obviously, we've got midweek fixtures um, coming up. And we'll uh, have a quick look at them later in the podcast. Well, we're going to move on to the uh, the FA Cup action now. Because it was FA Cup third qualifying round day. And in the south, we're going to get a full round-up shortly from Serena Arcee. But I went to a game at Bristol Manor Farm 
of the Southern League Division 1 against Wheelstone, who were top of the National League South. A formality, you'd think? Well, not quite. It finished 0-0 in the end. Wheelstone had plenty of chances to hit the post twice. He had spectacular clearance off the line. He missed a penalty. The, the, the home side defended resolutely, could have nicked it at the end, but as it is, they... They have to go back to Wheelstone on Tuesday night and do it all again. Well, I caught up with central defender Connor Stevens after the game. So I'm here with Wheelstone central defender Connor Stevens after a 0-0 draw in the FA Cup at Bristol Manor Farm. And Connor, a tough game, but probably a game with chances that you've had one off the post, a couple cleared off the line, missed a penalty. It's just not happened, does it, today? Nah, that's the joys of the FA Cup. Yeah, sometimes it don't go your way and... Uh, we'll just go back on Tuesday and we'll try and finish the job at our place. You're involved in the key moment in the game, weren't you? You were brought down for the penalty and it was a, all hell broke bro- loose a little bit with the goalkeeper there. I mean, should he have stayed on the field? Uh, he didn't throw any punches at me, yeah. so I just won the penalty and got on with the job. But we kept a clean sheet. That was my job of the game. And like I said, we'll go back Tuesday and we'll go again. It's been a cracking start to the season for you. You're well clear, despite the defeat to Haven't last week. You're giving yourself that cushion at the top, haven't you? Yeah, we got that cushion, but our standards don't drop. Um, the gaffer and the boys are always on about standards, 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 and we we go, we keep going every week, and we keep them standards. I believe the team spirit is very good this year. I mean, do you believe you can go up this year? Yeah, why not? We've we're ten wins, two losses in the first twelve, so keep them standards up like we, we tend to do and um, hopefully we'll go up. I suppose your biggest challenges are though having and, and made someone in teams like that really aren't in and around uh, that section at the minute? Yeah but we've got the players in our squad that can go play at a higher level and we're good enough squad to beat anyone on our day so days like this it was important that we don't lose we didn't do that um, but we'll see we'll see what happens. And the fans back you as well really good support again here today they made the trip down didn't they? Yeah, very, very good. They're very loud to keep keep us going in the game and um, keep us in it. Nice one, cheers. And that was Wheelstone's centre-half, Connor Stevens. And just as I was heading out to get my taxi, along came Dean Brennan. Uh, so I had a quick chat with him about the, the game and the season so far. So I'm here with Wheelstone manager Dean Brennan. Dean, you've drawn 0-0 at Bristol Manor Farm. You please probably still be in the in the cup. You had plenty of chances, but then it could have gone the other way as well. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah. We spoke at half-time how important it was. We had a zero. Yeah. No matter what happens, we come out here with a zero. Uh, obviously, we've hit the inside of the post. We've had balls clear off the line. Yeah. They've blocked. They've fought for the lives. Then we've missed a penalty. Um, well, the, the goalie saved the penalty. Mm-hmm. So it sort of looked that kind of day. And then they've sort of half got in at the end with their only real main chance. And yeah. you're thinking... God, an injury time, are we going out? Is it one of them days? So I'm just proud of the players because mentally it's tough to go through a fixture like that a game where you're knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and it ain't happening. Um, so we kept going, we kept digging deep, and uh, we'll go on to the draw on Monday, see who either of us get, and then we'll, we'll go back to our place on Tuesday and hopefully we can, uh, we can complete the job there. Do you think you overplayed at times a little bit? Was, I noticed in the second half there's options for people to shoot and they're trying to spread it out wide and stuff. Would that be your only real criticism? I have no criticism yeah. of the players. The players walked their socks off. Um, they gave our supporters, they should be proud of us today. It's such a difficult game when you come here. You know, They've nothing to lose. Um, they dug really deep. They defended in numbers. Um, we overloaded and overloaded. Um, and we had some great chances. At the end of the day, if we keep creating chances like that, we're going to score loads of goals. 
And in terms of your league start, fantastic start to the season. Um, you're obviously wanting to keep that momentum up as well as having a good cut run. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, we'll go one game at a time. Uh, we'll enjoy our bus journey back now, no doubt. Um, and then we'll start focusing on the replay on Tuesday. But on the league form, uh, where we are at the minute, we're delighted about a punch return. It's, uh, it's a fantastic start. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, Tuesday and then Chelmsford away next Saturday. You must believe in your, your own ability. You've proven at this level. You, you did well at Hemel. Obviously, the Billy Ricky thing was just, it was Billy Ricky. And now you're, <laughs> now you're here doing well again. Yeah, yeah. Look, I... That's my philosophy. You sort of said we overplay. That's how we play. We overload you. We pass the ball. We, we never deviate away from that. It's very important to improve players. We've got a lot of young players here, Denham Lewis's and Jacob Mendy's and people like that. We want to improve them and we want to kick them on, the Connor Stevens. We want them to go and have football careers uh, in the pro game because they're good enough to do that. Dean, best of luck for the rest of the season. Cheers. That was Dean Brennan. Despite the uh, the draw there, he was he was very bullish. He's a very positive guy. And, and as I said to him in, in the interview, he's got a very good record at this level, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, Sounds like he's uh, got away with one there on the day and they'll take that. I mean, they've got fantastic momentum in the league. And, uh, I guess, you know, we just talked about momentum a minute ago. When you've got some, what you don't want is a change. The change came along yesterday in the FA Cup. Uh, by all accounts, he could have won it and that had a penalty, didn't he? Yeah, it was... Um... It was one of those. Uh, it was one of those days where I stood near a Wheelstone fan, and about twenty-five minutes in, when they they hit the post and had another one just wide, he was saying it's going to be one of those days today. And so it proved, and it was one of those when Lafayette stepped up. We didn't expect him to score just because of the way the game was going. It was one of those games where you're just destined never to score. We're going to look now at the other results involving the National League South sides with Serena Rossi. Haven't and Waterlooville avoided a potential banana skin game as they ran out 3-0 winners against Hadley. Well, in United and Dartford both won their games 4-1 against lower league oppositions Tavistock and Blackfield and Langley. Dulwich Hamlet played Eastbourne Borough, Weymouth also played St Albans City in two all-conference South clashes, in which Dulwich Hamlet and Weymouth won comfortably with scorelines of 3-0 and 4-1 respectively. In the other all-conference South game of Oxford City versus Hampton and Richmond, Two early goals after half-time secured Oxford a 2-0 win as they progressed to the next round. In the only draw today, we saw an entertaining 3-3 result between Chippen and Town and Slough Town, where Ryan Bird's late 90th-minute equaliser and Slough a Tuesday night replay. Elsewhere, a Newlet Billericay side beat Bath 4-2. And finally, Maidstone progressed through despite going 1-0 down to Hitchin Town. Goals from Noah Chesham and Ibia Canby saw them win 2-1. And we've got the perfect man here to look at how the Northern teams do. We've got the perfect man to look at the Northern side now. It is Dickie Wharton and Dickie, a few of the National League North sides crashed out, didn't they? Yeah, they did, Luke. There was uh, 15 National League North teams had made it through to the next stage. Two involved in games against other National League North sides and obviously two were going to go out. Um, of the remainder... Uh, Ten of those National League North sides were drawn away to lower league opposition with only one at home. So the scene was set for some more upsets and indeed we did get a couple. Um, I think the biggest one um, was Guysley going out to Peterborough Sports. They're a Southern League Premier Division Central side uh, and it was a 90th minute goal there. Guysley, they're in seventh place in the National League North. Looked like they were going to be taking them back to Nethermore for a replay but then a 90th minute goal uh, took Peterborough Sports through. They, they did it last year against Boston and it's someone who's right on your doorstep, Peter Sports, and they're a very progressive club, aren't they? Yeah, they just kick on, don't they? And uh, they don't seem to know their, their boundaries or their limitations. They just keep reaching for glory. And uh, Yeah, I did notice. I had a quick flick through the FA Cup results yesterday after my game and that was the one that really stood out for me. Uh, 
Um, not just uh, keeping a clean sheet against Guise, but actually finding a way to, to win the game in the last few minutes. Uh, that must have been a, a, a fantastic moment for everybody involved with Deeper Sport. Yeah, and obviously disappointing for Guise, letting the, the, the assistant manager, Bruce O'Neill, afterwards said they were massively disappointed. Silly decision in the middle of the pitch cost them a chance for replay. Just you know, bemoan the fact that they weren't quite as resilient as he'd hoped they'd be. Um, and I think they missed... Aaron Martin as well, he's the, the, the leading scorer in the National League North, but he's currently on a three-game suspension for a, a dismissal last week. Um, and, you know, you lose a game 1-0 and your 15-goal top scorer is missing. You obviously would have wanted him there. To, he could have been the difference maker for them. Elsewhere, the other shock, and maybe not so much of a shock this one, was Blythe Spartans losing 4-2. Hensford, they're another Southern League Premier Central team. Um, there's only a couple of spaces between them in the pyramid, with Blythe being bottom and Hensford in second in that division. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a 4-2 win to the home side. Uh, Blythe like to call themselves the world's most famous non-league team. You know that whole heart arcs back to that 1978 cup run when they got to the fifth round. Got a replay with Wrexham played in front of 42,000 at St James's Park. Well. They're not going to be recreating any of that this year. Um, went a goal behind early on. Reese King, who's been at Lamington earlier in the season, scored. But then Callum Roberts levelled for them. His seventh goal in his last four games. He's attracting a lot of attention. He's been linked with Rotherham, been linked with Shrewsbury Town. And Blythe have had to put out a statement playing down those kind of links, saying, well, look, he's our player at the moment. Um, he levelled. Hensford back in front before half-time but then Roberts levelled again an eighth goal in his last four but it wasn't to be um, Kieran Morris had already scored once for Hensford, he scored a second goal on 63 minutes and I must get this line in the, the deciding goal in the 4-2 win came from Danny Glover proving to be a lethal weapon for the pitmen with his uh, a goal to, to put the seal on the result Oh, you always have to get that one in don't you when Danny Glover plays National League North sides and they um, all National League North toys they both produced away wins one of them rather surprising I don't think Southport winning at Farsley is necessarily a huge shock but to do it by 5-0 which they did probably was um, a Ben Atkinson own goal at Southport ahead at half time but then four goals in the second half Jack Sampson, Russell Benjamin Devon Green and then Captain David Morgan and that, and that just simply blew Farsley away yeah, and again, cursing the manager of the month. Adam Leitland picked up manager of the month in the National League North for September, and <laughs> again, he, he probably wished he hadn't. Well, I suppose he, he can't wouldn't want to have not had the run that they've had through September. But yes, it, it's it, that little uh, you know talk curse that we often talk of has popped up yet again yesterday. Um, the other All National League North game was Darlington at Leamington. Darlington fans have been bemoaning a lack of progress success in the FA Cup since they reformed. Um, but they made it through to the fourth qualifying round, two goals in the second half, Tyrone O'Neill and Justin Donoa. Um, and they had a, a solid performance from goalkeeper Liam Connell as well. Connell as well. Uh, he's just joined them from South Shields. A um, little bit of a sticky patch for Leamington as well. They've only won one in their last seven now in League and Cup, which was their replay whenever chased down in the last round. OK, so moving on to the other other ties. Uh, a couple of National League North sides face replays, although they will be back on their own ground. Gloucester City had a 1-1 draw with Whitby. 
um, but it took a 90th minute equaliser from Joe Hanks to uh, to take them back to Evesham on Tuesday night. And then there was a what sounded like a rather dour nil-nil draw between Tamworth and Hereford and the Lamb. Again, that's going back to a replay at Edgar Street on Tuesday. Lamb, lamb, lamb and bulls. There was a lot of a lot of uh, meat on show there yesterday, wasn't there? But not for yes, the. Yes, it was. Yeah, they, if you know, pop down and have a butchers at that one on yeah. Tuesday night, yeah. maybe. <laughs> hey, you like that one? Uh, I, I took in the game between uh, Kidsgrove and Gateshead yesterday. Um, a, a tight game. I think ultimately Gateshead just that little bit more, that bit of professionalism just saw them through. A goal from JJ O'Donnell just after the hour created by. Greg Ollie, who for me was the, the standout player. Kidsgrove did have some chance, half chances through the game. They did sort of like try to throw the kick and sink it Gateshead in the last five minutes, but they held out. Um, and when I spoke to their manager, Mike Williamson, Williamson after the game, he was um, obviously content to be in the hat for the next round. But the Autonet Stadium in Kidsgrove and our very satisfied Gateshead manager, Mike Williamson, with me. Uh, Mike must be pleased to just get through that game, I imagine. I am, yeah. I'm, I'm very satisfied. Tired. It's been, uh, it's been a tough battle, um, but it's a typical FA Cup, and, and that's why we're in it for. We love it. It's that. That's the these these ties are um, when you know we're going to come up against organised, physical, um, but very good players. Like, um, got a lot of experience on that pitch, and uh, we knew it was going to be difficult. So I'm just delighted for the lads because the ugly part of the game that we had to do for 90 minutes is, is paid off. Sure. What, what do you think made the difference today? Just that little bit of extra quality on your side, do you think? Um, yeah, I think, you know, our fitness and organisation and things like that is kind of a prerequisite is that we should be have more energy. Um, no disrespect, you know, but we're full-time and a young group, so um, it's a given that we're, we, we run our socks off for 90 minutes um, and you just hope that when the quality is not at the... At the standard of we can produce, that we still keep doing those ugly parts, and, and overall it'll pay off. And it, it's the case today. Cup helps you keep some that momentum going. You've you've started to gather in the league as well because you started with a few draws, didn't mm-hmm. you? But it's been it's been slowly like getting better, yeah. more wins starting to come. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, we from from the summer we had just no players, and it was a huge building process off the field and on the field. Um, but we're getting to a point now where I think our belief is it's starting to get to where it needs to be and we know that on our day we reach our levels that we can beat anyone in, in our division so it's, it's in, in our hands which is, is always uh, reassuring as a, as a manager and as a player And how are you enjoying the experience being the man in charge? Oh, hugely, I love it, it's fantastic it's, it's the best of both worlds so I still get to uh, get on the pitch and get in the thick of it and in the battle and I'm still making mistakes like, like anyone as a player but then also I've got to look at it from a, a cool point of view and uh, you know when the everything heat of the battle is on I've still got to make make sure that I'm, I'm being as analytical and an emotional as possible so it's, it's just a huge learning process but I'm extremely lucky because I've got Michael Nelson and Ian Watson and, and Chris Bale around me so you're enjoying that one today big smile on your face a number of times yeah you know, coming up for set pieces that kind of stuff you've got to, you've got to enjoy it even when like you say, you're making mistakes and you're coming off, you know, the wrong end of decisions and stuff like that. You've you've got to chuckle and enjoy because, like, what I did like today was uh, in the heat of the battle with them, they had that that um, that enjoyment with it as well. Even when they were getting uh, 
things go against them and for them, we're both having a laugh and having a chuckle at some of the referees' decisions. Um, and that's what you know. It's enjoyable because you're enemies for 90 minutes, but really, it's uh, it's it's a game. So we, everyone wants to win, and that's why we, we play this game. But the bottom line is, it's uh, it's, it's for the enjoyment of for the fans and and us. And I think when you're enjoying it, you, you play better as well. Nice touch as well at the end, going at all the players filing past the gates, said fans and and handshakes for the travelling fans. Really a, a nice touch. Yeah, I mean that's the tradition that's been here, so you know I can't take credit for that. I think it's. it's it's fantastic to, to have that. We, you know, sometimes um, when they travel away, it's uh, you can hear them wherever we go, and they're real. Even when the numbers sometimes can can dwindle because it's the cold nights here and there, they show up, and, and you can hear them. And you know, the lads appreciate that because really, as a as a player and as a as a manager, you're just a kind of custodian. They're the real owners. They're the people that. Um, stay through thick and thin no matter what so that's realistically it's their club congratulations on you in today mike and thanks very much indeed thank you and that was mike williamson and he's doing a he's doing a very good job solid job getting along with it like so we, we don't really mention gates said much on this podcast and i suppose that's testament to them they are going under the radar a little bit aren't they but i suppose the teams above them need to keep their eye on them don't they yeah, I think they do. I mean, they've, they've stayed a, a full-time side. They're quite a, a, a young side as well. Um, they, I think they took them to something like their fourth or fifth game of the season to register a win. I think they got four draws from their first four. But their form's been picking up since then. I think there's been only one defeat in something like their last six games. Um and yeah, they're, they're just sort of like building nicely. So yeah, you, 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 I think you brought them off at your peril. They look... Um, Certainly, a, a decent prospect for a playoff spot. I would think. Any other games catch your eye, Dicky? Um, well, I'll run through the rest of them. I mean, there was the TV game, obviously, in the morning on the red button for the BBC, which was altering away to Hales Owen. Two goals for altering in the second half from Tom Pierce and John Johnston, enough to put them through. Um, Spennymore had a thumping six-two win in Ashton United Glenn Taylor helping himself to four goals in that game but that, that was after Spennymore had gone 2-1 down after 15 minutes but um, yeah Taylor I think he was National League North player of the season last season and he's obviously finding his form again this year Kingsland Town they had a 2-0 win away at League that sounded like a fairly routine victory for them the, the third place team in the National League North York, the leaders, they had a 2-1 win away at Buxton, or they trailed as well, it took their own goal and a Nathan Dyer goal to see them through eventually Steve Watson wasn't happy with the performance but said it's all about being in the hat for the next round um, we had some excitement at the Sutton Coalfield-Boston game Boston went through 1-0 in that one uh, there was a last minute penalty for Boston as well which would have made it safe but Dominic Knowles had that saved and then Sutton had a man sent off when the frustrations boiled over right at the end and then the last game of the day, this was the one with the, 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 non, the National League North team actually drawn at home. That was Brackley, drawn at home to Warrington Town. And two goals, two defenders, Thierry Ordell and Ellis Miles, put them through to the next round. Yeah, it's a very, it was a very strange anomaly, wasn't it, in the end? You say only, um, only one National League North team was at home to lower league opposition on Saturday. Yeah, they were, and, it, and you know, you would have thought that would have set up potential for maybe a few more upsets than we saw. But um, but there are only two. But, uh, admittedly, there's still the opportunity for uh, Tamworth at Hereford on Tuesday night, and also for Whitby. That's a that's a really long journey from Whitby mm-hmm. down to to Evesham 
on Tuesday night, you'd back the two National League North sides to go through there. And they'll have a fairly healthy representation when the draw is made tomorrow. Brilliant, Dickie. Well, looking ahead to midweek, there's some big fixtures coming up. AC Files, they play Chesterfield. I mean, surely if, Ch- well, if Chesterfield go and get a win there, that will put a cat amongst the pigeons there. Barnet against Bromley, it's a top of the table clash. Barrow look to continue their good form against Boreham Eastley against Maidenhead. Ebbsfleet are playing Torquay. FC Halifax, they'll be looking to continue their good run at the top of the table and they take on Charlie. Notts County are playing Dagenham in the Redbridge. Solly Hummels against Sutton, two sides out of form. They meet uh, down there in the Midlands. Wrexham against Harrogate. Wrexham looking to get back to winning ways and pull themselves clear. Harrogate will be looking to get themselves into the playoff places. And then Yeovil against Woking. Both sides looking to get back on track there. The other fixture as well, Aldershot against Dover. Dover will be looking to get into the playoffs if they can win at Aldershot. Aldershot will be looking to win to get out of the relegation zone. And Rob, you had a fairly interesting chat with Mitch Walker yesterday, didn't you, on the way back from Charlie about this game? Um, there's going to be a few players on either side that won that game on Tuesday that played for the former club. One of those, Bobby Joe Taylor, will be coming back to play at Aldershot after scoring. Uh, well, he went from uh, hero to zero, didn't he, on Saturday, because uh, he, he swung in a beautiful free kick and then gave away a penalty at the other end that led to the equalising goal. Uh, and, of course, uh, in between the sticks for all the shot will be Mitch Walker, who will be coming up against uh, his old side, Dover, for the first time. Right, something a little bit unusual for you now, and our full-time listeners. Travelling back on the train from Preston to Euston with some of the Aldershot town boys after a thrilling... Okay, I'm lying. After the nil-nil at Chorley. Um, sat alongside me is somebody who's been on the podcast before and uh, we spoke to him when he was back at Dover. And he's now with Aldershot Town. That's uh, Mitch Walker. Uh, Mitch, good to speak to you. Hello, everyone. Yeah, nice to speak to you too. And, uh, yeah, it's a while since you were on. You were a Dover player then. You were a Dover player for many, many years. Um, but uh, you're at Aldershot Town now. Um, apart from maybe sort of league positions and stuff, how are you enjoying your time at Aldershot? Yeah, thoroughly enjoying it. Um, it's all the lads are a real good bunch. There's a few um, wrongs in the team who are sat opposite me now. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, there's a. We no, won't we won't mention their name, no, Grants and Shields. No, no, I, we won't I, I'm sure the listeners could probably guess who yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, it's, it's, it's a great club. Whenever I played against Aldershot, it was always a, a place I wanted to go and visit. Um, it was always lively. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Does it still surprise you when you go up to places as far away as Chorley and look round and see red and blue all around the stadium today? No, it doesn't, to be fair, because it's they're probably one of the best uh, supported teams away from home uh, in the league. There's always a good 100, 200 fans um, coming away to support us, which is a massive help. I mean, some teams, sort of when we play at home, you see that they maybe only bring 5, 10 or 15. So, no, it's, it's very well appreciated, everyone that follows us across country. I want to talk to you about particularly the summer, but again, the last couple of weeks as well. has been a right old goalkeeper merry-go-round, hasn't it? Ryan Huddart has now gone to uh, help me out here. Bromley. <laughs> Bromley, that's right. Um, and a difficult life, the life of a goalkeeper. One minute you're in and you're the main man, and next minute, as Ryan found at the start of the season, you can find yourself on the fringe of things. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know Ryan too well, but I'm guessing he, he would be very delighted in the way his fortunes have turned around in the last couple of months because he didn't play at all um, at Bournemouth this season, whereas last year he was their sort of number one goalkeeper. So, yeah, he's, he's back in at Bromley now playing. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's it's a difficult position. There's obviously only one position in the team as, as the goalkeeper. So it's just a case of just trying to make sure you keep yourself always ready because you never know 
when you may be needed. Now you're at Dover for a long time and uh, you left there in the summer. We do get quite a lot of Dover fans listening to the podcast. Um, I think this might be the first opportunity you, you perhaps had just to to sort of say something to them about your time coming to an end there. Things move on in football and you were there longer than most. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think uh, if you're at a team uh, anywhere in the football league uh, or, or in non-league for five, six, seven years, it's, it's a great achievement. And uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed my time down at Dover. Um, the chairman, the board, the players, the managers I worked under all helped me and uh, sort of helped help me along my journey. Um, yeah, it was taken out of my hands a little bit um, sort of with the decision to sort of leave in the summer. But as, as I found out in football and I've seen a lot of times in the past, it's just an opinions game. Um, some people you get along with, some people you kind of don't see eye to eye with. And yeah, it was just one of those where um, it was probably the right time to move on. Dover, Tuesday night at home, it's your old side. Yeah. At the end of the day, um, you're, you're a professional kind of guy. Will it just be do your job as normal? Yeah, of course. Um, it has to be. Um, you have to That's good, good Good news, boys. He's not going to throw one in. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's one of those. You, you learn this as a kid. You have to try and take yourself out of the scenario. And it's just another another game. It's worth three points if we win. It's worth a point if we draw. And it's worth nothing if we lose. So it's, it doesn't really make a difference whether it's against Man City, Dover or Dog and Duck FC. It, yeah, it doesn't really matter. So. Well, if all the shots keep going down the way, they'll be playing Dog and Bucket soon. Well, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> oh, good side, actually, to be fair. <laughs> you know. Tough game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet you. Yeah. I bet you if I actually said, no, it's dog and duck or whatever it is, dog, dog and bucket, whatever it is, you'd have gone, yeah, tough game. They've got some good players. Signed well in the summer. Yeah. But uh, no, I presume that you wish everybody at Dover all the best after Tuesday night. Yeah, of course. Of yeah. course. And also when we play them in the return fixture at Crabble. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's, it's, it's a well run club um, full of good people down there. So yeah, I, I do wish they have a good season. But obviously when we play them, I want six points. Good stuff. Great to catch up with you again for the NL full-time podcast that was Mitch Walker and um, nothing really else, nothing else is really really happening in terms of the north and south this week but Dickie there was a, an interesting development at Bradford Park Avenue wasn't there uh, yes there was indeed um, Mark Bauer who left the club at the, uh, the end of last season has, has returned as manager um, uh, interesting development there certainly he's uh, said look you know look the situation that we're in that the aim is to just be outside of those two relegation places that are there initially. It's talked about them needing more experience. I mean, that, that Bradford, their success over the last two years was built around that core of experience. So, will we see a number of those experienced players that, that left there returning now that Mark Bowers back in charge? We'll wait and see. That did mean that Marcus Law and Lee Fowler stepped aside from there, and obviously there's vacancy at Kettering, Marcus Law's old club, but I'm told that that's looking unlikely that, 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 that Marcus Law returning to Kettering certainly isn't on the cards. I'm breaking news Dickie now I know you said before that there was a slow development on the managerial front at Wrexham well they've just come out on Twitter and announced that Dean Keats is the new manager so there we go poetry in motion. Thank you very much to yourself Dickie You're welcome Luke, thank you. And also thanks again Rob for joining us this week. Pleasure. Well, that is it. Thank you once again for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at NLFullTime. Uh, emails, if you please, as well, NLFullTime at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. Until then, uh, happy football watching, and we'll be back next week 